I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles, please, and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this evening. Started last Sunday evening, a five-part, Lord willing, series through 1 Corinthians 12, uh, focusing on this uh, chapter as a crucial one in the Apostle Paul helping the church at Corinth understand some things about spirituality, about what it means to be spiritual, what is spiritual, because that's sort of the topic sentence in 12.1. Now concerning the uh, spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. And as uh, it's not a bad insertion that New American Standard Bible has gifts because it's, it's uh, used that way in 14.1, but he also talks about spiritual people in 14.37. It's really a question, in all probability, coming from them, because they've written to him. So they're sort of framing the question, and he's just sort of restating what they're concerned about, and then he's going to move to address it the way that he believes he should be doing so. So I don't think we should lose a lot of sleep over, is it spiritual gifts or spiritual people? It's really about what is spiritual. And that's rightly related to the Holy Spirit. And they were making the mistake that, that that's actually sort of a narrow subgroup of the church that is manifesting the most dramatic signs of spirituality. All right, there were people speaking in tongues, doing uh, what we would call sign gift kinds of things. And it seems that the problem was that the church at Corinth wanted to magnify that as being spiritual to the diminishing of other roles and functions in the church. And so the first thing Paul does is to make clear that really the baseline of being spiritual is confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. All right? And that's what he says in verse 3. That, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, and we'll come back to this, Lord willing, in chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. What he's really rooting there is the fact that when a person comes to Jesus Christ and confesses Christ as Lord, that's the work of the Holy Spirit that doesn't happen unaided. It actually only happens by the work of the Spirit because the natural person does not receive the things of God, neither can he know them, for he considers them foolishness. He said that all the way back in chapter 2. So no one comes to the conclusion that Jesus is Lord apart from the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, they are actually incorporated into the body of Christ. They are united to Jesus Christ by the work of the Spirit, and they have become spiritual in that sense. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't struggle and that they're all at the same level of spiritual maturity because he talks about the fact that there were some at Corinth that were still infants who ought to be more mature, but he didn't say, you're outside of the Spirit. He actually is saying, you ought to be growing up, but I'm having to treat you as if you're immature because of your fleshliness. Right? When someone is born of the Spirit, it is tied to that confession of Lord, and it includes the work of the Spirit to incorporate them into the body of Christ and give to them what they need to serve Christ. And that's where he turns his attention. And 
So let me read for us and let's look together at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So before we dive into parts, just as you read that, I hope you noticed the emphasis on the Spirit. Because the issue is, what does it mean to be spiritual? And it's rightly related to the Holy Spirit. And so the primary kind of note that comes across is, these are the work of the Spirit. They're the manifestation of the Spirit to one is given this by the Spirit, through the Spirit, by the Spirit. And then verse 11, the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So let me give you sort of a summary, and then we're just going to look at the parts of it, and we're not going to dive into 9 and 10 as much as like that. always tends to catch everybody's attention. But there's another list of gifts near the end of the chapter, and so we'll have time to get into all of that, I want us to actually make sure we're getting the main point of what Paul's after. And, and Paul's main point is that there are a diversity of gifts because God is working for the health of the church through the whole body for the whole body. Okay? The, the reason there are these differences of gifts, not just one gift like you folks are focusing on, but there's a wide variety of gifts is because it's the work of God for the health of the whole body through the whole body. All right, so I'm just going to walk you through the text and show you why I've summarized it in this way. First of all, it's God's work. That's what verses four through six are talking about there. There, there's one word that sort of goes between all three verses in the New American. It's called varieties, right? There are varieties of gifts, varieties of ministries, varieties of effects. There are three different words used for what's happening. Gifts, ministries, and effects or workings. And there are three references to God, Spirit, Lord, and God. That's the triune God. Right? The Spirit distributes various gifts. The Lord is working through various ministries. God is providing various effects. It's the work of God to do these things. And it's God's work in such a way that there is a... Uh, uh, I mean, the, the word variety is not a bad word for it. Distributions, allotments... And, and the thing we have to see here is, and I think Paul does this here, we get preoccupied with the word gifts, and they were preoccupied with the word gifts. But Paul actually throws gifts on the table 
along with ministries. And it's not referring to the office of deacon, but it actually is the word from which we get deacon. It just means someone who serves. Right? So there's, there's a variety of gifts. There's also a variety of ways to serve. And there are a variety of ways in which God is at work. That's the effects. And, and so instead of having a preoccupation with just the gifts, which tended to focus on, here's what I do, it actually is a focus on what God is doing. Yes, he gives gifts, but he also prompts service. And he also works effectively in the body. It's what God is doing for the sake of the body that is the emphasis of this, that he's carrying out. And that's why, and I'm not going to go bit by bit through 9 and 10, but I'm going to say this and probably repeat it a couple times, right? There are a number of gift lists in the New Testament, none of which are identical, right? So you don't, you have a list here, you have a list at the end of the chapter, you have a list in Romans 12, right? You have, you have lists in 1 Peter that's reduced to just two. None of them are the same, Right? And there are some that show up in one and don't show up in others. So, so obviously the lists are not exhaustive. They're not uniform because they're actually not the point of it. It's not to go, Oh, okay. So let's make this exhaustive list of what the gifts are and figure out which one I have. It's actually, and that's confirmed by the use of this word ministries and effects. It's simply that the God who cares for the body works in a wide variety of ways to seek its health. He is at work through the body to accomplish this. And that's the key. It's what God is doing. All right? And, and so here's the thing is sometimes you'll talk about gifts and we want to have it be so crystal clear what that is. But when we recognize this, when he talks about the Lord distributes ministries, places of service, we'd go, well, like, how do you categorize that? Well, and, and there's ways in which God is producing effects in the body. Well, how do you categorize that? Well, you actually can't. And that should probably keep us from the little uh, essentially spiritual versions of Taylor Johnson temperament analysis tests that spiritual gift things become. Right? We're like, here, if I fill out this survey, I can find out what gift I have, and now I know where I'm supposed to serve, and here's my narrow lane, and I'm going to be there. That's completely unlike what Paul's trying to do here. He is not trying to say, find your pigeonhole and fit into it. He's actually talking about what God is doing for the health of the body, and he does it in this variety of ways of moving the body into ministry, moving the body into effective help for one another, and providing gifts so that people might serve and carry out the work of God. And that that part of it, uh, we we can't lose because of what verse 7 says. Look at verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And this is probably the part that uh, that I think we need to be pushed on a little bit, okay? Because here's the tendency for us, 
is some people have so emphasized uh, experientialism, right? Sort of like uh, uncontrollable displays that they want to blame on the Spirit or attribute to the Spirit, right? I mean, just, you know, think of Benny Hinn whacking somebody with a, you know, a coat and knocking them down or, you know, I've actually been, uh, I mean, it's been a long, long time ago, but I remember being in a service where all of a sudden people just started talking and there's people like in the rows next to me just like, you know, going off with some kind of weird babbling, right? Or I remember being one time at a, at a you know, it was like a, a healing kind of thing going and, you know, I'm just sort of curious, trying to check it out. And it's like, it's just crazy. Out of control, things that are clearly contrary to the Word of God, right? Chapter 14 would say, actually that whole, like, everybody out of control talking in some kind of uninterpreted language is actually in violation of 1 Corinthians 14, right? So here's what I, I feel comfortable saying this. The Holy Spirit would not produce violations of the Word the Spirit gave us. Right? So, so we ought to, to be against that and not go that route, but here's the tendency always we have to wrestle with is to move to the other side of the pendulum so much that we actually dismiss the actual work of the Spirit in us and in the body. Because look at that language in verse 7, to each one, is given the manifestation of the Spirit or the showing of the Spirit, right? The, the work that God does in the body is actually intended to be the demonstration of the Spirit. And, and that stands in contrast to verse 2, because look what verse 2 talks about, the dead idols, right? The mute idols. They actually don't have any life. They can't accomplish anything. The worship of the true and living God actually manifests the truth and living nature of God. The Spirit's presence is revealed through His work in the body. Now go back to chapter 1, because this would be, I think, a part of understanding the, the bigger picture of what Paul's talking about. Paul, even for a church like Corinth that had loads of problems, starts with a genuine expression of thanksgiving. Start in verse 4. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. So this is the grace of God given to them in Christ Jesus that in everything you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge and now notice this part, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in, or probably better, confirmed among you, notice verse 7, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the presence of God working through the Spirit in the congregation at Corinth was the confirmation of the testimony about Jesus Christ. 
Because the gospel is an announcement about how we can be born again. We can have the life of the Spirit, that Christ can be exalted among us and can be at work. So so what we don't want to do, you don't want to get sucked into experientialism that sort of rewrites your theology based on your experiences. Right? I, I mean, I've told this story before. I mean, this is like almost 30 years ago. I was at a book, I got invited to do an on-radio debate with a, a Pentecostal pastor about tongue-speaking, and we went back and forth, and I kept going to passages and passages and you know, saying, here's what the Scriptures say. And then he pulled out the card that, that I'd always heard they would use, but I'd never actually had it said. And he goes, the man with the experience has the advantage over the man with the doctrine. Right? That's what he's saying. You can, you can give me all those Bible verses, but I had something happen to me. That's experientialism. That's rewriting our theology based on our experiences. We should reject that. But we shouldn't react so much that we actually treat Christianity as if it involves no experience at all. Right? The the living Holy Spirit of God actually convicts people of sin, righteousness, and judgment that happens to them when they come to Christ. The Holy Spirit creates the new birth, which is an experience, right? You were dead in trespasses and sins, and you are made alive. You're alive in Christ by the power of the Spirit. That's an experience. And when he comes to dwell in your heart, he pours out the love of God. We saw in Romans chapter 5. Right? So you experience an awareness of the love of God by the presence of the Spirit working in your heart. And since he came to dwell in you, he also brought with him enablement for service and sanctification. And when that happens with God's people, the Spirit is working through the body to minister to the body. It is the manifestation of the Spirit. He is accomplishing His purposes through the various parts of the body. Right? And it's supposed to be something somewhat mysterious because it's the Spirit. And John 3 talked about that, right? The wind blows where it will. We hear the sound of it. And and then it says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That is, we we uh, we can't put it under a microscope and examine it. We can't We can't see the Spirit because He's a Spirit. But that doesn't mean He is not real and that He isn't the one working. Right? And this text is built on that. He, the Spirit. Spirit's not a force or a power. He is a person. The third person of the triune God who distributes These works according to His will, who manifests Himself through the work that He does. We see the Spirit at work, just like we 
see the leaves move because the wind is blowing. Right? That's, that's what he's saying. And the presence of the Spirit among his people so that we are a temple of God by the Spirit, chapter 3 talks about, is what we should hope and long for. Right? That the Spirit of God would be at work in the body of Christ for the building up of the body of Christ. And that happens via the gifts that he's given, ministries that the Lord supplies, effects that God does. It's God at work for the good of his people, showing his Spirit so that we might know that God is among us, to borrow the language of 1 Corinthians 14.25. That we are not serving mute idols. We're serving the true and living God who has the power to work among his people to, to, to save and to sanctify, to bring the gifts and help that we need at the time in which we need it. Look, if you would, please, back to chapter 12. I want to press on quickly. Look at the second part of verse 7 that this is all for the common good, that God works through the parts of the body for the whole body. That's why I said it's the whole body for the whole body, and, and I should emphasize that to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's the He's working through the whole body to each one for the common good. That's the whole body. And verse 11 reinforces that by saying, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. So, so the word is telling us that the work of the Spirit happens in all of the parts for the whole. And in, and in so doing, is manifesting the life of the Spirit. And um, I think, I, th I don't think you serve Right, You don't serve for some experience. You serve out of obedience. But here's the great blessing. As you serve in the power of the Spirit, there is a confirmation of God's work in you. Right, That God is doing this. That God is accomplishing His purposes. And, and it, is, it brings joy into your heart and benefit for the body. And that's that's what he's after. And all of that, verse 11 says, is according to God's will, the Spirit's will. He does this as he will. So um, it's, it is, it's about what God wants to accomplish. Uh, notice in verse 11, the, and, I, and again, this is the problem. If we all had Greek New Testaments, we could see this really clearly. Uh, but the word distributing in verse 11 in New American Standard and the word varieties in four, five, and six, those are, those are tied to each other. So they're really sort of like brackets for the whole section of 411. I, I think really you could catch it like this. Uh, if it, if it was translated now, there are distributions of gifts. There are distributions of ministries. There are distributions of effects. The spirit distributing to each as he wills. Or you could do allotments. There are allotments of gifts or allotments of ministries or allotments of effects. The Spirit allotting to each as He wishes. That's, that's really the language of it. Okay, so the emphasis on the diversity in, in 4, 5, and 6 
is then picked up in verse 11 as to the reason for it. If we ask the question, why is there so much diversity of gifts and ministries and effects? The answer is, that's the way God wants it. Right? He does it as he wills. And he wants it that way for the health of the whole body being accomplished through the ministry of the whole body. He doesn't want to peg us all into one particular kind of gift or ministry or effect. He actually wants the, the variety or the allotment or the distribution of them because that's the way he's working. And so we need to think about it in that way. So let me just uh, fire through some implications, applications. So here's what I, I take these verses to really be emphasizing for us a call to a God-centered, others-oriented approach to gifts and ministry. God-centered because it's actually the work of God. Right? The minute gifts or ministry is about me, I've lost sight of things. Right? If it becomes about, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to write my job description. Here's where I would be happy serving, so let me tell you that is we, we've, we've lost sight of what's going on. It's actually about what God wants to do for the good of the body. All right? so, so when we think about ministry, when we think about using our gifts, it should be, it should be if you think about it this way, right? We are, we're doing it for His glory and honor. So we are doing ministry for others on behalf of God. Right, let me tease that out. Right, so so here's somebody uh, who let's just I mean I'm going to personalize in a moment and let's just let's let's just all agree for a moment I have the gift of teaching. All right. So here's somebody that needs to hear some truth from God's word. So I'm using that gift for that individual. Right. So it's an others orientation. But why am I doing that? I'm doing it on behalf of God because the gift is actually not for me. It's actually from God for the body, the common good. Right? So, so God put me in trust of a stewardship, if I use the language of 1 Peter 4. Right? As each received the gift... Even so, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God took this gift of teaching, gave it to me for the body. So when I exercise that gift, I'm doing it for them on behalf of God because it's the effect of God or the ministry of the Lord or the gift of the Spirit. Right? So the equation is God and the other person. It's not about me. It's not so I can be recognized. It's not so I can be happy and fulfilled and find my purpose and mission in life. Right? It's not about all the pop ways in which we try to turn it into another consumer-driven satisfaction of our needs to feel whatever. It actually is that the God of heaven and earth who sent His Son 
to give up his life for his bride, the church, has given gifts and ministries and is at work for the good of that body, and I've been entrusted with some portion of that responsibility. Right? There's something that he's placed in my hands to use for the body on behalf of the risen Lord. Right? Because Jesus ascended and gave gifts to his church. So, so I need to be thinking like that, right? Because it's not about me. It's about God and the good of his body. And the stress in passages like this is not about obsessing on what gift we have as much as it is, is having a bias towards service, right? I mean, year, I mean ages ago, uh, Dr. McCune was very helpful. He taught systematic for us and I was wrestling through the whole gifts thing. And, and, and basically, at that point, there was a lot of this like self-analysis test. And, and essentially, uh, he brought up the fact that there never seems to be anything in the New Testament about how you assess what you have your gift. There's just talk about serving Christ. And then the recognition of those gifts from what happens. Right? So, so instead of having this, okay, I need to sit here until I figure out what my gift is. And watching people go by that have spiritual needs, right? We're like sitting here going, so what should I do for Christ? What should I do for Christ? And here goes a person who has a need, and there goes another person who has a need, and there's an opportunity to serve, and there's something that needs to be done. It's like, I just don't know what my gift is. Right? The answer is we step into service. And, and God uses it for the common good. And all of a sudden, we start to go, oh, hey, this is a way that God can use me. And other people go, hey, you know, when, when you were serving in that area, God really seemed to have his hand of blessing on that. You should pursue serving Christ in that way. Right? Instead of it being this sort of like sit under a microscope and figure out what it is we're supposed to do, it's lift our eyes off of ourselves and see the needs in the body and step toward those needs. Right? Move to speak or to serve and trust God to use you for the good of the body and carry it out. And the common good language of this text suggests that we should look simply for the place of need. Where's the place of need? because God wants to minister to the common good. Where's the thing that needs to be done, the service that needs to be carried out? See it and seek to meet it by the Spirit's help. And as you get active serving Christ, trusting Him to use you, it begins to flower and be evident. God lights a desire in your heart, and He uses you, and the body is helped. Right? So we move in response to the work of God to carry out his purposes because this is the work of God for the good of the body through the body. And if you know Christ, you're a part of the body. And God has something he wants you to do to help build up the body of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be some complex process as much as it is to have a heart for what matters to God and then see God use you to carry out his purposes, carry out his will.